0: This is the Nomad Futurist podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your host, Nabil Mahmood from Kona, Hawaii.
1: This is your co-host, Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey.
2: And this is Siggy Brody coming to you from sunny Florida. Siggy, welcome to the Nomad Futures
0: podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time. Let's start with your background. Tell us a little bit about
2: yourself. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, I can't go through the uh, list of 20 or so companies that I've worked for, uh, because I've essentially been at the same place for 20 plus years. So um, I'm sorry if that's a little boring, but uh, I'm the CTO of WebAir. Uh, I've been here since the beginning, um, since really like 98, 99. um, And I'm one of the the co-founders, along with uh, Michael, who was the the CEO, who really uh, started us off.
1: You know what's you know what's amazing? I'm I'm in a similar I'm in a similar boat, right? Anybody that asks yeah. me anything about my background, I'm like, uh, do you have do you have thirty seconds? Because I can give it to you in thirty seconds. Yeah. Uh, you never you don't really hear that as much these days, right? You hear um, uh, people skip going from job to job, you know, year after year after year what How do you think that experience um, is is different from uh, you know the typical uh, a, you know job skipping? what what is that? How have you um, grown by staying in the same job for for 20 years?
2: Well, I mean it, it, it's a, it's a great question because I've always had this pressure in the back of my head along the way, like, what am I doing? Everyone else is just you know riding the wave, you know from company to company, and if you get it right, with your with your stock options, you know you just be, you become a millionaire four times over if you can time it right, and and you know I've also talked to other people that have been in interviews, and they would tell me, you know, someone saw that I was at the same place for seven years, and they asked me what was wrong with me, you know, why didn't I leave sooner? <laughs> And uh, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's sort of, you know, toxic a little bit, you know, it, it shouldn't just be, you know, wh- wh- where do you find that, you know, that, that balancing act, if you're out of a, a spot for too little, that's a problem. If you're out of place for too long, that's a problem. And so there's enough pressure already in the industry, you know, with sort of shiny objects and needing to learn everything and being on top of the latest and greatest, we don't need this, uh, this added pressure of sort of, um, of timing too. But yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it, it was.
1: Uh, How old ancient, were you
2: when you started? Yeah. I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I was really, um, I guess, 18, 19. Um, I was uh, going to college uh, and um, I met uh, Michael, who would become, uh, you know, my partner. Uh, while I was going to college, we happened to be working at, at a tech company at the same time. And um, and at some point he got sick of, you uh, know, doing the web design and he wanted to go and, and start his own hosting company. And after enough coaxing, uh, he convinced me to, to help him out and go along with him. That's kind of where we started. And, uh, you know, so after, you, started, you
1: started the business while you were in college.
2: Yeah, I was in, I was in college and I was, I, I went to Polytech, uh, that you, you're familiar with it in Long Island. And, um, I was working at a, at a hosting company around the corner getting paid, you know, six bucks an hour to run all their free BSD servers. And, um, uh, Michael, he, he said he he wanted to start as a hosting company. We had some service at Interland, and uh, eventually he convinced me. And um, and then once we got big enough, I did, I quit college. Uh, it wasn't unfortunately at that time. It wasn't providing me with enough value, meaning they weren't teaching the things that were relevant to to what we needed to to do with Warren at that time.
1: Well, I assume, we he you the, I assume he offered you like seven dollars and fifty cents an hour, and you're like, I'll take it. I'll take it.
2: You know what? No. It, it had it, it had nothing to do with the money, and it was it was interesting because uh, the ISP that I was at, the hosting company, you know, there was the owner there. He he basically called all the shots. He ran he ran everything himself. He would give me limited access, and the way I looked at at the proposition in, in my very simplistic, you know, uh, log- logical mind was: I can be the second guy in charge of a T three, or I could have my own T one. You know. You know, which and that would be my own and it would be my baby and, and I could do whatever I wanted with it and I would own it and be responsible for it. And, and you know, just it would be mine. And and to me, that was more interesting. Um, and so it just had nothing to do with money. It just was a curiosity. You want to you want to get your hands on something. You want to be responsible. You know, you want to you want to own the make or break moments, you know.
1: For those kids out there, a T1 or a T3 used to be the way we ordered internet access. It went from 1.5 megabits per second to 45 megabits per second. And that, those are basically the options. Um, and now you get to, you get all sorts of fiber and stuff, it's weird. Yeah.
0: I think that that's a great story. I think culturally speaking, what's happened over the last 20, 30 years is that we've been taught that every year, two, three, that it's time for you to change. I think you are one of the very fortunate people that were able to identify uh, in the pursuit of happiness or the pursuit of career as to what you really wanted to do. How did you come to that point whereby like, you were able to eliminate all these distractions of
2: more money and becoming the next millionaire or billionaire in the dot-com era? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I I would have to remind myself that I I was a part owner in the business and I don't have to, you know, and like, Hey dude, why are you worrying about like going to get another job and work somewhere? You know, you own part of this business, you know, at some point it's going to be, you know, if you do it right, it'll be worth something and it'll be valuable and all that. And, 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 and when I would work through my mind, you know, what would it look like if I went somewhere else? I would just always come back and be like, wow, I'm really lucky. Like I, I actually have a really good situation here and I'm working with some really great people. And, um, I realized that, you know, when we go to hire people at Webair, um, what I tell them is maybe we don't pay, maybe you're not going to get the top pay or all the bells and whistles with the benefits. But what, what you will get is essentially a playground, you know, and I feel, you know, this cause you know, obviously you're at a similar company, but when you're, when you're, um, a technology provider, your customers are asking you to do all these different things uh, and and they're pushing you to the brink uh, for all these different softwares and technologies and can you do this and can you do that? And you're constantly being pushed to the edge. And so it, it's a great place to learn. And so I think looking at a, at a, at a job, and opportunity of what am I going to be able to learn there you know, based upon what services they provide and where they sit in the technology stack, that's huge. In fact, you know, just like I learned, just like I kind of knew nothing before we started, we've hired so many people as interns out of school, knowing nothing, hired them based on personality that are now running the company. Um, and a lot of them have gone on to go work for Facebook and Microsoft and Google and uh because i wanted you know the benefits and the cushy name but you know what i've had so many of them come back sure enough after 6 months and say i love my title love my stock i i i love this company that i'm at now but i miss those projects i miss that playground i'm too i'm too pigeonholed can you can you give me some stuff to do on the side and that really showed me the you know what we have to offer as an employer and and what people can learn in in, in being in, a, in an environment like that
1: yeah, I think the, um, the, and, and this has come up in the podcast from time to time. I think, you know, to a certain extent, it's always like big company versus small company and, 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 and what are the inherent tangible and intangible benefits? And I think, you know, when, when someone looks at, um, you know, a particular job, a particular job, and they they try to determine whether, you know, weighing all the factors. Typically, you know, you make a you make a list, and you're like, how much is X paying me? How much is Y paying me? What are the benefits? You know, does the name hold weight? And when I go to a dinner party or when I go out with friends, if I say that I work for X, Y, and Z or Google or Amazon or Netflix, you know, they're gonna it's gonna be a recognizable name, so that has some value. But you know, the the level of. Um, You know, uh, flexibility that you have, the exposure to to various technologies, like you said, the idea of not being compartmentalized um, in a particular discipline is something that you can't really explain to someone until they experience it. And I think in uh, the benefit of a small company in general, and I would always say, um, especially in our world, that experience is significantly more valuable than, um, than degree or than, you know, book, book knowledge versus experiential knowledge. Those small companies are where you build experience. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, it's impossible to understate or sorry, it's impossible to overstate how important. It is to, uh, to to be able to be given an environment where you know you can experience what we now give our kids as like experiential learning, like the the understanding that you should allow yourself as someone that has gravitates towards technology uh, to go to a place where you can determine like where where you want to have make an impact.
2: Yeah, I, and I agree. And like you know, to that point, you know, some of the things that we've done. Um, is we people will start off in tech support, and if you know if you end up answering all, let's say the the MySQL related tickets, then poof, you're the MySQL guru, and now you're going to be in charge of going to you know define the products for the future, um, and be the one to set the standards. And we've done that, and uh, I think one of the great things about that we we've done at web area is. All the people that came in really started uh, on the ground level, and those are the same folks that that are now sort of the managers um, and the product owners and all that, because they've shown themselves to be trustworthy and they've they've wanted it. Whatever whatever path they've 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 kind of gravitated towards, we've we've supported that. And, and I've told people, um, you know, this is not a one-way street where you just you just work for us. If 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 there are things that are exciting to you, technology-wise, if you want to get your hands on some shiny object. You know, and, you know, it, it's probably somewhere on our product roadmap. You know, maybe it's not on the top of my list, but maybe it's like three or four. And if you come and say, hey, I, I'm interested next, then we'll bend our roadmap so that we win as a company and that you win. Because if you're excited about it and you want to do it anyway, it, it just it just makes sense for us to kind of, you know, become partners in that way. And that's, I think, allowed us to to keep retention of people and keep them happy and engaged and, and feel like they, they're owning something. So share with us the
0: journey. At an early early age, you decided to be an entrepreneur. I mean, it's certainly not been the, the glorified environment as one would perceive that, oh, it's always been sunny and uh, wonderful days. How has it been for the last 23 years for, for you
2: uh, as, as a business owner as a, and as a technologist? Um, you know, it's been stressful at times, very stressful, especially especially in a, a 24-7 business uh with, with downtime, you know, as, as Phil knows, you know, it can all kind of it can all kind of literally go up and smoke one day and, and you have to kind of deal with that. I mean, I've had, you know, all sorts of crazy experiences between um, you know, hackers and security issues. Um we had a we had a uh, our data center in manhattan at 32 avenue de americas you know uh, our lease was up on on a on a specific day and uh, the vendor at the time tata you know wouldn't give us a renewal and that day happened to be the day that my wife was due to, to give birth to our first son so there i am you know, sitting there thinking okay i'm going to have i'm going to have a, a child and start a family and then there'll be no more business uh, you know literally on the same day and so you know, going into something like that and negotiating and trying to work it all out. You know, there's there's been its moments or um, on my wedding day, you know, leaving the wedding from the uh, leaving the wedding in the limo and literally the, asking the limo driver to divert to the data center to deal with the DDoS attack instead of uh, going to take pictures in the meatpacking district. You know, luckily we didn't have to. Those are the sort of things. So there's ups and downs. And then there's all the fun stuff too. you know, getting to um, to create to, to create products and to uh really get on the phone with customers and hear what they need and and go and, and just say yeah i can do that you know not sure how you're going to do that and then figuring it out after and and living up to um to your work you know that's really fun or walking into a room where you know people know nothing about your company already made up their mind that, that they're going to go in another direction and convincing them why you're why you're a better option you know those things are very uh fulfilling and rewarding
1: Uh, As I, as I listen to you, you know, obviously it's a, it's, to me, it's a very familiar tale. Let's go, let's take a step back for a second. Were you always inspired by technology? Were you a technology guy growing up? Is it something you always gravitated to um, or, or did it happen by accident?
2: No, I mean, I, I, I was always one to tinker. Right. And I think there's people that have different learning styles. I like to just play with things and, and figure them out. You know, you can go as far back as, as Legos. Right. I mean, I think, uh, you know, kind of, kind of a cheesy cliche sort of thing to say, but I, you know, a lot of it kind of started with that. And then I'm lucky the first computer I got, uh, when I was about 13, uh, was, was a gateway computer. And they had this great warranty back then where they would just replace your machine no matter what. And so when I started
1: opening, how did that work out for them?
2: Well, obviously uh, they're out of business, so maybe not great for them. Right. Uh, but for me, uh, Every, I'd open up my, my machine to upgrade memory or, or to just to poke around and I break it. I keep I keep frying the board because I do it wrong and then I call them up and they'd send me a new one. So I probably went through five computers. Um, and their loss was, was it was my game by, by kind of learning. Um, and then I got involved uh, when I was a teenager online with some uh, you know some of these IRC channels and wanted to learn Linux and all that and, um, and then getting into coding. And when I was in high school, um, I convinced the the principal to let me have take, and this is funny because I heard another one of your uh, podcasts recently where someone, the guests had a very similar story, but I um, convinced the principal to give me my own class. And I said, I'll, I'll build a website for the school. And I'll set up email for everybody and I'll do all these things. And she said, great. And I had that all done in about a week. And then besides that, you know, I had an hour a day to to kind of, I, I thought I was getting over on them. I thought it, it was like the biggest scam and, and I get to do my own thing, but what was I doing? You know, I, for me, it was it was goofing off, but I was I was learning how to code. Um, I was working with servers. I was doing all sorts of things that 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 were fun for me. And I guess the school got the last laugh in the end because that was all education. You know, I learned a tremendous amount of stuff at that time. There just wasn't a teacher there, but but they they gave me they gave me the computers. They gave me the connection. They gave me the time. So you know, kudos to them.
1: So one of one of the things that uh, that I always uh, speak to in my own experience is that just based on the way the earth revolves around the sun, I happen to be in the right place at the right time. I happened to be coming of age, 17, 18 years old, as the Internet was, you know, really starting to be commercialized. Um, and, you know, we were essentially event- inventing an industry. Um, so the reason why there were no teachers to do it the reason why there was a you know very uh, not not very compelling coursework at your at your you know university when you were in college is because it just didn't exist yet because you know you were the trailblazer, you were at the frontier I can only imagine that somebody listening to this story says well that might have worked for sagi because you know there was no such thing as email but now all of these schools have the email so how would I break in in a similar way and you know can you you identify the, the personality trait or, or, or that thing that you had, whether it's curiosity or, or, or whatever that made you even like, how would someone today go in there and try to, you know, blaze their own trail in a, uh, in, 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 a similar, uh, uh, facet because you didn't know that the industry didn't exist yet. I mean, maybe you did, but, um, you know, it, it, it clearly that, that, that can happen today. You just have to choose a different, different approach.
2: Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I wasn't sort of arming myself with skills that I would go out and, uh, and get a good job and be successful. I was just legitimately having fun, and it was exciting. And I always, just like the Legos, I always just like to create something out of nothing, you know, and it's, and it's like coding. You know, you, you sit there, and um, you, you code for, for two hours, and you hit, you hit the run button, and it and it does what you told it to do, and that's magic. You know, and, and that applies to, you know, to building networks, um, to, you know, orchestrating different services, to whatever it is. But, but that that magic of, of building something and having it come out the, the way that you want it or, or and even the struggle of iterating and getting it to be where you need it to be. And then finally, like it does what you want it to do. I, I just always love that. So I, I kind of liken it, you know you know, to poetry a little bit too, because everyone puts their own flavor on that. You, you can build the same thing, you know, 10 different ways. There's no right or wrong around these things. In fact, you know, in my career, I, 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 I've had to dabble. I've done networking. I've done programming. You know, I, I've done really everything that that, that was needed for me but i i wouldn't say that i i'm an expert in any of them there's folks that go way deeper on all of these things but you know what? I, I did it i did it my way and and it was good enough for for what was needed um the other thing that you mentioned was sort of the right place in the right time i think that's a big part of it too you know you have to also um be open to opportunity and, and recognize an opportunity when it when it presents itself and i don't mean it from a technology perspective like oh you know crypto is going to be the next big thing you just have to you just have to see what kind of you know what kind of pre- presents itself in front of you and for me it was meeting uh, it was meeting michael who ended up being my partner because i'm a pretty risk averse um sort of like paranoid to the guy i wouldn't go, i wouldn't quit college and um and like go start a business you know i ended up meeting someone who who was very um he was much more of a risk taker and, you know, he was more of, a, of the social of the social guy and the big thinker. And I just wanted to build cool things. And when you put us together, it ended up being a really good partnership that lasted, you know, 20 plus years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I learned some cool stuff on my own. And I put in the work, but I also got lucky um, by, by being presented an opportunity. But I seized it, you know, um, so I, I would recommend that people keep their eyes open.
0: I think a part of it is also, you know, developing that passion at an earlier age and trying to figure out what, what you want to do or be, right? You have an interest level in technology. I mean, there was no market or industry back then, but it ended up becoming an industry. So kids or people today, there are probably not industries that exist today, but they will tomorrow or at some point in time. Crypto is a great example. Uh, things are going to get developed as you move along. What I would like to know is you being a risk adverse guy, and, and, and going to college to to get a degree and in technology. I mean, what was the turning point like? I mean, how did you end up taking such a huge risk in
1: quitting college? To- and what were your oh. parents' what responses? Yeah, it's a good they question. were
2: happy about it. You know, it's funny. I, I would consider myself risk-averse now. Uh, I think the industry did that to me a little bit, or the downtime. I, I probably was a little bit of a more risk-taker back then. Um, but for me, you know, school is, was was kind of boring. I just really loved tinkering and 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 the thought to kind of do it. You know, full time It was great. And you know what? It, it was it was not really a conscious decision. Um, it was time to enroll in, in next semester's classes, and I kind of just. Dinner not enroll. And, um, you know, my parents were, were, su- uh, were supportive, right? Like I, I never had stellar grades. I just don't think the way that I learned is, is not by, you know, listening to someone in the room. I got to get my, my hands, my brains on it. Um, so they were cool. I later found out, you, you know, uh, I later found out that my parents actually had a conversation with my, with my business partner. He's about 15 years, my senior. So they kind of called him and said, Hey, so, so what are your plans for our son and what's actually going on here? You know, And so I think that put some pressure on him, you know, lit a fire under him, and
1: maybe helped, maybe helped us. Did he ask for your parents' blessing? That's the cutest partnership I've ever heard. (laughs) Um, The, um, you know, there's a very Office Space element to it, right? I just, I just stopped going. You know, it's got that, it's got that, it's got that feeling to it. But I think that's what. Um, you know, I, I think you know people try to compartmentalize things in these black and white things, right? It's either you're a risk taker or you're risk averse, but there's this fundamental thing that when something just feels right, you know, when when you're when you're talking about a career, it's always been manipulated into you know it's work versus not work. You're either relaxing or you're working, and if you just take that paradox away and you try to figure out like, what do I enjoy doing and how do I do that, then it's not really work. And 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 people will gravitate towards you and you'll gravitate towards people that just kind of, you know, are, are drawn to the fact that you enjoy what you're doing. And if you stop thinking about it uh, and, and you know, I'm also conscious of the fact that, you know, it, it there are people that need to work, right? You don't necessarily all have the luxury of being able to just follow our passions or, or whatever, but you should in terms of, I would think, if if you're looking at trying to figure out what your career path is, trying to derive that from where you gain enjoyment is, is a, a fairly important way, I think, to look at it given how much time people spend working, don't you think?
2: I agree. And and this comes up. Sometimes I'll talk to someone young and they'll ask me, they'll want to break into the industry or, or they'll, they'll want to you know get involved. And they ask me, what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? And there's just this air of pressure that, that they're putting on themselves. Like I got to learn Linux. I got to learn Node. I got to learn this coding language. And if you're learning something just for the sake of learning it, it's not very fun. You want to learn it so you can cross it off your list. So you can say, now I know this and it's not fun. So what I tell them is forget about, forget about um, learning X and focus on a goal. You know, maybe you want to create a website for, for your mom's coffee shop and, and that's your goal. And in doing so, you're going to, you're going to pick up some, you know, some technologies, you're going to pick up some skills. So so I would sort of let go of the pressure that I I need to learn, especially in the tech industry. There's such, there's such pressure to always learn the, the latest and greatest, you know, tech skills and getting stale. And it's just, it makes it it makes it not fun. And just so sort, sort of set a goal for yourself. I'm going to go and code a system that does this. And maybe I'll use a language that I haven't used before. And along the way, you learn things. And that's where we got lucky, because our, our, over the years, our clients would ask us again. They'd ask us, can you do this and that? And we would just say, yeah. And, and it would force us to learn new things that we never had to deal with before.
0: Yeah, part of it is learning to solve the problem, find identify with the challenges. And then thereafter, figure it out how You're going to solve it. So you've been uh, with Bell Bear for about 23 years. What are you doing now? Retired? Heard you moved down to I, Florida.
2: I I moved to Florida, uh, but I did not retire. Uh, I'm still I'm still with WebAir. Uh, I'm still the CTO. I have no plans on changing that anytime soon. We did um, we did take on a, a, a new investor uh, late last year. Um, and with their help, we will be, you know, accelerating the growth of the business and um, and doing a lot more, a lot more good stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm kind of happy the way that everything worked out, and, and it's great to have a, a partner, you know, uh, with that level of maturity. You know, like people that are just whizzed with spreadsheets that I've never, you know, seen before that can that can help us grow the business. Because you know, sometimes you can only you can only take something as as far as you know. And like I said before, you can't be an expert in everything. And so acknowledging that has has been great, and bringing in experts. Like, I, like, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself the best manager in the world, or or peer people manager. So to bring in someone who lives and breathes that, that's great. You know.
1: Um, you know, I think, I think the. Um Trying to acknowledge that you don't have to be, you know, all things to all people is is a skill that you have to learn. I think everybody always um, just kind of assumes that, you know, part of the fake it till you make it kind of methodology is um, not recognizing what your own limitations are. When in reality, recognizing that, you know, you have this kind of interest across a broad spectrum of, uh, of, of things and there are people within each one of those disciplines that, that can, can work deeper is, you know, is, is incredibly valuable. And, and, and I imagine it took some time to, uh, to kind of recognize that. Um, yeah, I,
2: I think I think in the industry, um, you know, fake it till you make it was normal for the for the good, you know, from the nineties to maybe two thousand ten. And then and at some point the industry changed where people didn't expect companies to 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 do everything or knew everything. And and if and actually if you said you did, or, or even as an individual, if you said you did, people started to look at you sideways. You know, when I was when I was 14, I'm sure like yourselves and your parents were parading you around as a computer genius, you know okay like so at that point maybe you knew everything there was to know about computers because the the scope of, of that was very small today if you were to say you're a security expert to somebody in in the IT field they still might look at you funny and say and you and say well what you know, what slice of security is a network security? Is it a breach remediation? What is it? So, um, there's definitely special. The industry has acknowledged that it's, it is about specialization today. I do think having a wide context at the beginning of one's career and sort of learning how everything works in a wide sort of way um, will, will really be beneficial. Um, but at some point, you have to pick a path and pick a specialization and, and sort of focus on that and go deep there.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's common with uh, the healthcare industry, right? I mean, you go get your MD and then you get your specialization. So we as an industry have started to grow and mature, whereby that's going to start to become relevant. Uh, in, In the 23 plus years of you doing what you're doing now, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned about yourself and being an entrepreneur?
2: Well, I mean so that's a really that's a really good question i learned I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned uh, you know maybe what my what my limits are, um what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, you know I, I think one thing that's important too and and one of the things I've learned is that it's not just all about the technology and you you just mentioned the medical field and I think I think our industry can derive a lot from the medical industry um, and I don't even know if, if, if you know there needs to be more of an emphasis on soft skills you know in our industry um, in the medical industry, they do bedside clinics where the um, you know where, where the younger residents will sort of guess as to what the issues are, and we don't do any of that. You know, um, troubleshooting as a, as a standalone skill is just so critically important in our industry, and I don't know if colleges are teaching you know, troubleshooting as a service skills or whatever you want to call it. But I'm sure you guys have had similar experiences where you walk up to someone who's been troubleshooting something for two days and, and you ask four or five, you know, pointed questions and, and you can identify the issue right away. Um, usually, usually, I,
1: usually the first question I ask is, is it, is it plugged in?
2: Right, <laughs> yeah, did you reboot it? Um, you know, and and but I think troubleshooting is, and, and other soft, soft skills like, you know, being resourceful, being a good Googler. You know, these are things that transcend the the the, the flavor of the day, the technology, of the day that, that you can go and take with you anywhere and apply them. Being a really good technical writer, you know, being able to, to explain something, articulate something. These are things that, you know, our, our tech minds gloss over. We don't put any value on those types of things. It, it's, did, did I learn the new, did I learn the new routing protocol? Can I configure, you know, IPv6, whatever? That's where a lot of the tech minds place their value on their technical skills. And I think people... Do far better in their career. And we see this when you transition from sort of being an engineer to moving towards management that there is, there is this, you know, these soft skills will kind of, will kind of, you know, balance you out and allow you to go further.
1: I and mean, if you if you talk about the um, like, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of technology careers, you know, the Googles, the Amazons, you know, we've all had employees that have gone, you know, through our uh, respective organizations and then on on to there as you know where where they where they want to be theoretically. And if you if you think about like the type of questions that they ask in an interview those large companies, it's not really like, you know, define for me the tenets of C programming. It is, you know, how many jelly beans are in this thing? And tell me how you came to that 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 analysis. It's the idea of, you know, critical thinking is way more important than, you know, memorization and knowledge of a particular thing, because those particular things change constantly. Um, and, and uh, you know, there's, I think the, the way schooling has been done traditionally has, you know, kind of focused um, everyone's efforts on, uh, you know, memorization and standardized testing and, you know, the SAT scores are what got you into college and the, what college you went to, you decided what company you started to work at and, and on and on and on. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, like the educational system, like the way Kids are are taught. You, you know. Is, is there is there something that you know? Being a father, understanding like you know what it what what you look for in an employee and how somebody at the entry level ended up going you know far in their career. Is there something that you think could be changed about the way we do education in our country and more broadly globally um, that that would help focus on some of those soft skills?
2: Yeah. I think I think they should teach for those soft skills. I think troubleshooting uh, should be a, a a skill on its own, you know, um, and should be taught, you know. And there's and there's methodologies and there's theories about how to like sort of local like how to localize a problem, like you know. And I'm sure you've been there, you know. Hey, can can you reproduce the problem? Have you been able to reproduce it four times? Is it does it have the same result? Okay, great. What can we rule out? I mean, these are things that I think a lot of good engineers just inherently do without thinking about it. Um, but but those those canons should be taught because they will save. I mean, think about how much time we save when we can troubleshoot something quickly i mean now that i know so much about it i'm, I'm like so happy that, that i that i decided not to be become a doctor because like we've all we've all misdiagnosed and like incorrectly troubleshooted tech issues and probably taken down networks and routers and stuff and i i can count numerous times of those i, I can't imagine the amount of people i would have killed by making those uh making those same errors you know had i gone a different way so i do think that should be taught um, I also, uh, this may, might've changed recently, but I've met a lot of people like fresh out of college come in for interviews. And I've just noticed that they've been taught like, you know, like the smorgasbord of technology. They took one class on programming and one class on networking and this and that. And I'm like, didn't anybody tell you like the point of you taking all those sort of like those generic classes is in my opinion is to give you a kind of flavor. And then, ideally you, you pick one of those things you like it and that's what keeps you up all night and that's what you're playing around with. And then you come into the interview with all these side projects that you did that had nothing to do with school or maybe your previous job, all these cool things that you worked on because you were genuinely interested in it and it turned into, the, it turned into a new set of skills for you. So when I interview people, I, I'm, I'm always um, upfront about, you know I wanna, if I ask a question, I don't care where you worked on. I don't care if it was at, at a company or at school or, or at home. And to the extent that it's, it's more so them messing around with something at home uh, that excites me because it means they had, they do have a genuine passion and curiosity around it.
0: I think we kind of stopped at the third industrial revolution as it entails to the educational system. The fourth industrial revolution has not caught up as to what the new uh, teaching methods need to be. When you're interviewing people, what are some of the core competencies that you're looking at without their interest?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, 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 I will, I am guilty a little bit about like sort of name dropping name dropping, like, like what technologies did you work with, like, you know, kind of like, okay, I need to hire someone who is X. Do you, do you know X? But, but also I'll ask them like, what's, I want to know how deep they can go. I want to know how nitty, how, how, how nitty gritty they can get, you know, are they the type of person that has been up all night troubleshooting a problem or do they get to a certain point and then escalate it? Cause you know, the reason I've been successful is because I, the buck always stopped with me. Right. And so when other people hit their limit, they, they troubleshooted a problem at some point they just give up and they just shoved it to me. And then they went home. And then I, and I had, I had to deal with it and and either I was going to figure it out or we were going to lose a customer. And you know, that sort of pressure, like you, you figure it out, you have no choice. And so some, you know, so where is that limit? Where is that threshold for that person? And you click, you quickly will realize, you know, if, what you know on what side of the fence you know they are with that, and again, it's it's how resourceful how resourceful can you be? You know, I remember you know start doing this stuff in the in the late 90s, early 2000s. There was no you couldn't Google an error message. There was no vendor you can call. If you had a problem with the Linux kernel, you know, you can't call a company. You'd have to go into an IRC channel and maybe get lucky and be able to speak to one of the developers. Like, yeah, and you had to get resourceful. Like, I I'm not proud of it, but if I had to go into an IRC room and I had to change my nickname to to Jenny 24f. Uh, and ask some some geeks for some uh, information. That's how they would answer me. That's how I would, I would get the, the answers uh, to
1: we've my gotten, questions. We've gotten to the Dateline NBC part of this interview.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but listen, you, you gotta you gotta be resourceful. Um, you can't just walk into. I don't know why my, my network's
1: not working, sir. You will. I got five
2: to ten people messaging me right away, offering up all the help in the world. Um, great thing there was no such thing as video chat back then. Great thing we were dealing with slow connections, but I tell you, I got my answers.
1: Um, are are any of the people that responded to you people that we would know in the industry? I don't, <laughs> <I don't> wanna... <laughs> it's it's all right. We've
0: got Jenny <laughs> as deep fake now. All
1: right,
2: it, it didn't happen that point, but you know it, that often. But you know what it is—you gotta you gotta be resourceful, and that people should acknowledge that's a skill,
0: you know. Absolutely. What, what, what's next for you? I mean, you moved down to Florida.
2: Well, you know, one of the things I've learned is. You know, sometimes I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll look at things risk averse and be like, all right, we've done everything there is to do in this industry. Like, there's there's that's it. We've hit the end of the runway. And then something like public cloud pops up, right? Or or you know, security becomes more prevalent. And so, um, for WebAir, what I've realized is, is our value proposition as a as a provider. It's not that we, you know, we sell we sell hosted private cloud and disaster recovery and backups. And these are very technology focused services, but, you know, we provide services that are fully managed, right? And so at some point I realized it's not the bits and the bytes and, and, and you know, the, number, the amount of CPU memory that we're selling. You know, our, our value to our customers has been, you know, managing, monitoring, securing and scaling platforms. You know, these are like, these are like boring non-technical terms. I, so today I talk about, you know do you want to take ownership and accountability of your infrastructure? You know what's your appetite to be responsible? like all these non-technical terms and and that's where the value is. So I realized that the longevity in a company like ours is not it's not the it's not the flavor of the day. okay. so today it's it's vir- virtual machines. you know in the future it'll be it'll be kubernetes. it's it's those non-technical other things that we, it's, it's all the wrappers, it's the managing, the monitoring, all the things I said of those technology platforms. And that means, that it, that there is a long runway. That there, it, it's a it, you know, it, it's um, there's a longevity in our business model because the value is in wrapping around the technology. So as long as we can support things, you know, there will be a long runway for us.
1: You're selling to the human condition, um, and you know, I think the um, uh, I pivoted um uh, a few years ago from trying to suggest that. Um, uh, for those listeners that don't know much about our world, uh, everything is wrapped around uh, this idea of a service level agreement. There's a you know 100% SLA, um, and I went from this is why they keep me out of sales meetings. Now uh, I went from saying that you know if you choose us, you know you'll, you're you're going to be up 100% of the time, and we have all these generators and UPSs and everything's great and network redundancy and all these lines. I pivoted to go, to starting to say that the only thing I can guarantee you is that you're going to go down. It's a hundred percent guarantee that at some point your thing is not going to be working. And the question you have to ask yourself is when that thing doesn't work, it's the Ghostbusters model. Who are you going to call? Like, who do you want to call? Do you want to call yourself? Do you want to look in a mirror? Do you want to call Jeff Bezos? Do you want to call, you know, Bill Gates? Or do you want to call your buddy Phil or your buddy Sagi? (laughs) Um, And unfortunately, every time I said that, they said, I'd rather call Sagi. But... (laughs) Every percent, a small percentage of the time, they said, you know what, you put it that way, I would rather it be your problem. Uh, You know, we used to call it the single throat to choke, and who's got a more chokeable throat than me?
2: Uh, so I heard a good one. I, I heard the positive spin was a single bat to pat, a single back to pat. This so is, we started. I so, mean, it always
1: goes back to this dateline thing with you. I mean, no, no, no right. patting so, any backs. So, My God. So, <laughs> was that Johnny?
2: That was, uh, yeah, that's right. That's the alter ego. Um, Oh come on! I'm sure Phil has had had like a few email aliases uh, that he was running support tickets through when it when it was just him as well. Oh,
0: Phil's uh, got so many email aliases, like I can't even keep up.
1: Uh, the one thing I can guarantee you is that I get the worst response when I email as Phil. <laughs> but
2: uh, I will. Uh, I'll answer your question there. I mean, for me, um, what's what's great now. You know, what, what other cool thing is too is is the roles have changed over the years. You know, I I I used to be. a I was coding half the day. Um, and I wrote all the systems that did our provisioning and automation and billing and, and thank God I don't do that anymore because, uh, the coders that we have now are much better. And then at some point I was the network admin and then, you know, and it's nice to kind of go through all these different roles. I was doing sales engineering for all, which was, which is super rewarding in its own right. Um, now I, I just, I've just hired some, uh, I just hired a VP of infrastructure to kind of run the day to day. And, um, I'm hoping to be like a, like a legitimate CTO, whatever that means. I think it means chief talking officer, because that's what I end up doing all day anyway. But um, but well, I'll, I'll be looking at at some you know, M&A and partnerships and just taking on a new role. And that's exciting. Uh, let's switch gears just a little
0: bit. I mean, based on what you know, based on your journey, uh, the trials and tribulations, what is it that you tell your
2: younger self if you were to do it all over again? Probably tell them, you know, don't worry. Uh, things will work themselves out. Um you know, you have, you're surrounded by, by smart people, people have to have common goals, people that, that, you know, want to come together and make things work. And uh, the sky is not always falling and just look, look at the, look at the long road and, you know, be grateful for what you have and, uh, you know, focus on the good you know there's a lot of good this is this is a great industry and there's so many aspects of it that are just at their infancy so i think anyone who's in looking to get involved with any of the aspects if it's cloud if it's security if it's networking it's just it's all at its infancy and there's so many ways to to make yourself you know like i'm involved with a lot of you know different aspects of the industry and in one in one little group that i'm in uh, you know for like a software vendor, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of us who are just representatives of companies for a software vendor. I'm not the best at that particular software, but I know more about networking than that whole group of people. So for that group, I'm the networking guy. And you know when I'm in this other social technology group that I'm in, I'm this other sort of guy. So I think it is important to kind of define yourself as what do I want to be known as? Um, what can I be known as what works? You know what kind of fits into my lifestyle?
1: The um, I'm going to I'm going to wrap up here with uh, with uh, with a question about the times we live in today. You have been running a company successfully for the last, you know, 23 some odd years. Um, you sold a portion of that company and and brought in investors. You also moved your entire family from Long Island to Florida, all while we have all been embroiled in some, you know, out of control, unregulated pandemic. Um, what challenges has that presented to you? What benefits have you seen from that? How has it changed your life in any way? How has it inspired any of those decisions and made those decisions either happen or or be more you know difficult to achieve?
2: Yeah, so I, I wasn't interested in, in moving as much as my wife was, and I and I decided to come down here to appease her to, to look around and and I figured once she saw all the bugs she she'd change her mind. But then when I got down here, um, you know I kind of liked it. But but one of the things that really put me over the edge to move was just sort of this this, this thing that a buddy of mine said that, you know, to the extent that, that you're uncomfortable in life is to the extent that, that you will be successful. The, the more uncomfortable you are, the, the more successful you can be. Oh man, and I, um, I
1: should be really successful. I, I don't, I mean, geez, Louise,
2: you know, and, and it goes back to the whole risk thing, but, but I knew that, you know, I, I, listen, I, I grew up on Long Island. I had a, a great upbringing, um, you know, and, and, I, and I transitioned really at 18 from having, you know, parents sort of being coddled by parents to having a business, a much older business partner that really just took took such good care of me as almost like an older brother. And, you know, I felt like I had to go out there on my own and I had to put myself like kind of like out in the wilderness and be there for myself and, and force myself to kind of just deal with new things and new situations. Um, and, you know, it's a little risky, whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I did it, you know, good things will come.
1: Life begins at the end of your comfort zone.
0: Sigi, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. This has been phenomenal. What a great story. What an inspirational story. And you're one of the very fortunate people that've been able to surround yourself with good
2: people and good mentors. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to, to thank you guys for what you guys do for the industry. You know, when you contacted me, I read up on it. I thought it was um, really amazing. You know, I, I'm in, I've I'm been involved in a few groups to kind of help promote education and learning. I know that you guys run a non-for-profit as well with all this, so I'd, I'd love to contribute and just support you guys, because um, uh, it's great what you're doing.
0: This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound businesses will go on and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.